Three, two, one. Welcome back to the Bushnell Project. And we are continuing on here. We're in Exodus chapter 14. And uh, moving on with the people getting out of Egypt now. And let's see what happens, right? Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-Haroth between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. Now I'm going to pause there. I should go back and reread that, right? But I did already numerous times. I am, like anybody else, going to struggle with some of these names. All right, so we move on now. Verse 3, For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, What is this we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel with the people while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, encamped at the sea by Pi Haroth in front of Baal Zephon. All right, so we'll stop right there. And let's talk about a few things. One, uh, they are obviously going to be in fear. So here comes the world's most renowned weapon, the chariot. And the Egyptians were known for being very good in battle with the chariot. This was their main weapon. And he's not only taking all of his chariots, but he's making sure that he has the 600 best chariot warriors with their best chariots. And they're coming forth, along with all the other ones. And then someone might ask, well, I thought all the horses were killed with the plague. Well, that's a great question. So it doesn't actually say horses. It does say cattle. And there is a part where it talks about uh, the firstborn. And so there might have been many horses that were killed. But this is not necessarily contradicting. And it may be, for the guy knowing what was going to happen, that God reserved all these horses not to be killed then for what he had planned in the future. But it's always good to be rereading and going back and going, didn't I read something about the horses dying and and going back? And it's not trying to find where God is messed up in his word. Remember, the word is about his story. And, and we do read stories differently nowadays in the way Hebrews, the Hebrew language would tell a story. But there's no need to feel like there is a inconsistency here or any kind of contradiction. It's God and he can do what he wants to. And nowhere did he say all the horses of Egypt 
were killed, but uh, the cattle were. All right, so we have Pharaoh. Well, first we have the people of Israel being encamped. They're basically cornered between the sea and now this one way in, which is where Pharaoh's army is coming in. And of course, they have the pillar of smoke and they have the pillar of fire, the smoke by day and the fire by night. And here comes the Egyptian army. And immediately we see, um, we're going to see verse 10, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. All right, so all this is setting up God proving or showing to his people that look at everything I have done for you. And then this one little man's army is what you're going to fear over me. In other words, you still don't see God as he is. And I think that today, many, many who call themselves Christians don't really see God for who he is. We have made God out to be who we want God to be, who we're comfortable God being. Someone who who doesn't really see all of my faults, who's okay with me doing X, Y, and Z, because I'm I'm pretty good at, you know, when it comes to A, B, and C. And I like God because I know He's gonna give me some good weather when I need it. I know He's gonna let me live in freedom and I know He's gonna do this and do that. And that's a God we've made up. That is not the God of the Bible. No, God is loving. He is love for us is perfect. God is merciful, or we'd all be burning in hell. God is just and pure and righteous altogether. He is the one and true living God of all the universe. He is not confined by time or by space. He can be in all places at all times. And he loves you. And he loves, he loves his people. And here he's proving once again that they still don't get who he is. Matter of fact, they'll be wandering in the wilderness for 40 more years because they're like you and me. They're hard-headed and they have a hard time getting the concept of God, which is understandable because the concept of God is way out of our universe. You know, I'm here in, right now in Northern Virginia, and I have a Beautiful spot where I can watch these airplanes coming in to land at Dulles Airport. These are beautiful. I love airplanes. Okay. Big, beautiful airplanes. 747s. Airbus A380s. That's the double decker all the way, right? Or the new, the newer Dreamliners, 787s and the 777s and the new Airbus A350s, 900s. Just saw one of those coming in. These things are beautiful in the sky and they're magnificent and that they can fly is Big and heavy as they are, and they come in at 160, 170 miles an hour, just gliding in to come in for a landing with three or 400 people on board, plus luggage and everything else, right? Incredible. But that's nothing, nothing compared to what our God is about. And I I love watching these airplanes, and, and, and maybe they're a little bit of an idol in my life, I'm amazed by them. But all the engineering that it takes, and, the, and one of these new airplanes, uh, you know, some of these cost around $300 million 
for a new Dreamliner, or even more than that if you want to, uh, some of the others, right? So it's, it's a lot of money. A lot goes into that, but it's nothing compared to greatness of our God. And even these planes, they can't handle everything. Like they can't handle impact with the earth at, at a very great speed. They, they have to be flown a lot differently if they're in a bad storm or careful with crosswinds and things like that. As magnificent as they are, they're just an airplane made by man. We are made in his image and he loves us and he cares about us. And we're more valuable to him than a $300 million Boeing jetliner. And so we just need to trust him in what he's doing in our lives. So whatever it is that all of a sudden you feel pinned against and, God, why are you letting this happen in my life? It's like, you know, God, give me the courage not to bow down to whatever it is in my life right now that's affecting me. Help me to trust you. Help me to keep my eyes on you, the author and finisher of my faith, that I may be pleasing to you, Lord. Give me the grace I need, the wisdom, the courage, the strength. Um, and whatever it is, maybe it's in forgiving somebody. Maybe it's in taking a step of faith in some venture that God seems to want you to go on. Uh, maybe it's restoring a relationship. Whatever it might be, to have your eyes on God. And know that you can trust them. All right, God bless you guys. Hope you have a great rest of the day. And we'll talk to you soon.